Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. A lot of good stuff to say. First of all, let's just thank Brother Les. Come on, brother. Ain't nobody like Brother Les. Just, I could listen to Uncle Les all day. I'm like, why am I preaching this morning? Let's just let him just keep going here. Did an awesome job. And Pastor Dennis last week, man, outstanding. Didn't the Hatterballs really help our church? They did absolutely awesome the entire weekend. And I wanted to remind you, our books came in. So in the back, make sure you get one. All you who signed up for the relationship weekend, you got one. And it's one per person, not one per couple. You know why I did that? Because there's going to be one in the relationship that acts like they couldn't find their book. And they're the one who needs to read it. So... No excuses. You, you got your own copy. No one's getting out of this. Everyone has their own copy to read. Even the Corey members, the Corey members that signed up, everyone gets it. If you signed up, you got a book. So uh, I'm sorry, parents. It does say a lot of stuff in here about marriage. So they already hear it at school, but it's all right. So I want to make sure you pick up your book, The Four Laws of Love. It's in the back. And we had a great time. And we're going to get started here. So Matthew 16. Let's turn over there. Matthew 16. And we're going to get going. This morning, we'll start into a new series about Jesus. He's a good guy to talk about, right? We are in a church. Good place to start. Talking about the real Jesus this morning. And so we're going to start in Matthew 16, in verse 13, I believe. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to you, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, and you did not learn this from any other human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Come on, where are we at this morning? And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So notice, Jesus was going to his disciples, and he asked them, who do you say I am? So this morning, we're going to start a new series about the real Jesus leading us all the way into Easter Sunday. And this morning, I want to talk about who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Now, I'm going to put my Portland Bible College hat on a little bit this morning. That's okay. I'm going to try to teach you something. It's important that we know who Jesus is. Now, we're talking about the real Jesus during this series, and we're going to talk about who he is and what he does and what his teachings mean and what does he mean for us today, and who is Jesus. So it's important, I feel like, to know not just what you believe, but why you believe it. There's a lot of people that know what they believe, but they don't know why. Someone can talk them out of it real quick, because they don't know any of the why behind what they believe. That's not good as followers of Jesus. You should know why you believe what you believe. Not just, oh, well, my pastor said so. But where did he get that from? Well, I heard it one time. But where did they get that from? Did they get it from the Bible? Did they get it from the right sources? Did they get it from things that are true or false? Where did they get this information from? And so we need to know not just what we believe, but why we believe it. Now, that's something I emphasized when I was in the quarry a long time because I saw many young people getting talked out of their faith when they go to college because nobody taught them in church why they believe what they believe. And so they have some professor who knows nothing about anything in life to begin with, and he talks them out of it because he's, he knows a little bit more than they know, and they're like, oh, I think he knows what he's talking about because he's a professor. He doesn't know anything about what he's talking about, but nobody taught them why they believe what they believe. Y'all want this or not this morning? 
I got a lot of notes and I got a lot of places to go. But you need to know why you believe what you believe. So no professor and no politician and no person on the news media can talk you out of it or no new philosophy, new age book can tell you something different because it's trendy and cool and you think it's true, but it's not. You need to know why you believe what you believe. So Matthew 16 says, Jesus said, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And you got to understand that that is the most important question ever asked. Who do you say I am? And the most important answer you will ever have to make is who do you say he is? Now, I want to talk about the significance of Jesus just in history for a moment because it's important to know why does a Jewish man who lived 2,000 years ago in an obscure town in the Middle East have such a large impact on the world and change the world. Why would he matter? There was a lot of people that lived that long ago. We don't talk about them today. We don't care about them today. We don't know their names today. We don't even know names of people that lived 50 years ago and 100 years ago, much less 2,000 years ago. And so why do we still talk about this man, Jesus, who lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago and he changed the world? Well, there's a reason for that. And I want to talk a little bit about just the history. Uh, to begin with, it's so important that we understand who Jesus is. For starters, Jesus is the most famous person in human history. You cannot deny that. Of all of history, he is the most famous person in all of human history. He is the most loved person in all of history. He is the most hated person in all of history. That's significant. We realize that time is split in half by before he was born. Till uh, Actually, it's a Latin word, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So after it was after his resurrection. So we split time in half, B.C. and A.D., based off his life. Like all of time that we know as human beings is split in half by his life. Nobody else has that. Right and privilege. There's more books written about Jesus than any other human. There's more songs written and music written about him than any other human. There's more artwork painted and sculpted about him than any other person. It's not even close. And Jesus is the most famous person and important person in human history. You know, several years ago, uh, there was a Dos Equis commercial. And I'm not promoting beer this morning, but it was a good commercial. And it was called The Most Interesting Man in the World. You guys remember that guy? The Most Interesting Man in the World. It's not the Dos Equis guy. It's Jesus, actually. He's the most interesting man in the world. I'm saying that all to say this. Whatever you think about him, you cannot deny his significance. Whatever you think about him, you cannot ignore him like he doesn't matter in history. Or he doesn't matter to you or to anybody else. No, he matters. The question is, who do you say he is? Can't deny he existed. You can't deny he matters. You can't deny his popularity. You can't deny his fame. You can't deny he's the most important person who ever lived. The only thing that you have to answer is, who do you say he is? Because there's a lot of opinions on who Jesus is. And I want to read you some, and some of these are funny, and some of these are just informative to know. But here's some things that people say that Jesus is. Because everyone has an opinion. Liberal Christians say that Jesus was just a good man, but not God. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was merely Michael the archangel, a created being that became a man. Mormonism teaches that Jesus was not God, but only a man who became one of many gods. And it furthermore teaches he was a polygamist and half-brother of Lucifer. Yeah, you didn't know that. New Age teaches that he is a state of consciousness. Scientology teaches that Jesus is an implant forced upon Theton about a million years ago. These are all true things. Why? Because everyone has an opinion about Jesus. These are all other world religions we're talking about here. Here's some other things from other people in history, other different people or cults or religions. Edward Casey said that Jesus was only become Christ in his 13th incarnation by shedding his bad karma. 
Baha'i says that Jesus was a manifestation of God, but inferior to Muhammad and Baha'i. Buddhism teaches Jesus was not God, but rather an enlightened man like Buddha. Islam teaches that Jesus was merely a man and a prophet who was inferior to Muhammad. Now we're getting into the fun ones here. Uh, Miguel Gorbachev said Jesus was the first socialist and the first to seek a better life for mankind. Martin Luther King said Jesus was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. I love these two last ones. There's even a Canadian nudist arsonist cult. Yes, say that three times fast. That thinks the word Jesus is Bible in a code for hallucinogenic mushrooms that are to be eaten before getting naked and lighting things on fire. Don't make me repeat all that. So even the Canadian nudist arsonist cult has an opinion on Jesus. Here's another one. The Lakota Native American tribe says Jesus is the buffalo calf of God. So we see here we have a lot of opinions on who Jesus is. Now this is just, I named some world religions and some cults and some, some just people throughout history, some, some weird ones, some all sorts of different types of people. But who do you say that Jesus is? Now, I'm trying to teach you something. I know this is not a shouting service. This is a thinking service. But you can't ignore Jesus. You have to respond and decide who he is. So, everyone has an opinion on Jesus. Those are some things that people say that Jesus is. All of those, by the way, are false. In case you were moving to Canada after I read that to join the nudist arsonist cult, or, or you were thinking about doing something else with your beliefs about Jesus. All those things I said are false. They are not true. They are not real. But people really believe them, and that's really some people's opinion and view on Jesus. But they're not true. Now, how many know we need to go to the Bible to find out what is true and to what is real? Because the Bible is God's word speaking to us. And, and further, let's just take Jesus' words for himself on who he says he is. So I want to talk a minute about some of the statements that Jesus said about himself. So who did Jesus say he was? Well, here's some things that Jesus, he said about himself. First of all, he said that he came down from heaven and he was God in the flesh. Jesus said he came down from heaven and he was God in the flesh. You realize that religion is man trying to get to God, but Christianity is God coming to man. It's a big difference. All other world religions and cults and even, and even society is man's attempt to get to God or man's attempt to find salvation or man's attempt to enlighten their self or man's attempt to live the good life. And those are all man's attempts to get there. And guess what? You'll never get there. That's why... God had to come to us because we couldn't get there and we couldn't save ourselves. I'm preaching better than you're responding. And we couldn't change ourselves and we couldn't get to the good life and we couldn't enlighten ourselves and we couldn't get ourselves right with God and right with ourselves. So God had to come to man and that's what Christianity says, which is completely different than all other religions. And we live in a culture that's so politically correct, we say that, no, they're all really the same thing. No, they're not. Not even close. They are false religions to false gods speaking things that are not true, and they're man's attempts to make themselves get to God. But Christianity is God coming to man in the person of Jesus. He came down from heaven and he was God in the flesh. Jesus said he was the son of man. Now the son of man in the Old Testament was the term used for the Messiah that was coming. He said he was the son of man. He was God come in the flesh. Jesus said he was God. He used the terms I am. Do you realize that they sent him to the cross not because he was a good man. They sent him to the cross because he said he was God. 
He didn't die just because of his teachings. He died and went to the cross, and his enemies killed him because he said he was God. And the Roman government didn't appreciate that because the emperor was God. And they took that as a threat to their power. And the Jewish people didn't like that because they knew that the Old Testament, there was only one God, and he definitely wasn't coming as a man. So this guy was blasphemous. So the Jewish people hated him, and the Roman people hated him. And he went to the cross because he said he was God, not because he was a good man. Jesus said he was sinless and could forgive sins, which only God can do. Jesus said... That he was the only way, the truth, and the life. And he is. There's not many ways to God. There's not many ways home. There's only one way. And there's only one God, and that's Jesus. Are you still hearing what I'm saying this morning? Billy Graham said that Jesus was not just another religious teacher or another individual seeking spiritual truth. He was instead truth itself. He was God incarnate. Are you still here this morning? Are you learning anything so far? So we realize that Jesus is God. I want you to know that this morning you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. This morning you need to realize that Jesus is God. There is not many gods. There is one God. And he reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ. All other ways are false. All other gods are false. All other so-called truths are lies. There's only one way, one truth, one life, one way to the Father, one mediator between God and man, and it is Jesus Christ. You need to know this, church. You need to know what you believe, but you need to know why you believe it, because there's so much nonsense being talked about everywhere you look, and you can get confused. I've seen even Christians who loved God at one time and were on church staff at one time or preachers at or one time, worship leaders at one time, saying they don't believe any of that anymore because somebody got in their head because their mind was weak, and they didn't know why they believed what they believed, and they just started listening to lies. Don't be one of those people. That's happening all over, and God said it was going to happen in his word that that in the the last times that some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits that are lying to them about the truth. Don't be one of those people that falls for the lies of the enemy just because someone has a Ph.D. behind their name. I'm trying to help you this morning. No. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Let's talk about something else for a second. I want to talk about the prophecies of Jesus. We don't talk about this enough, but this is like a really big deal, and it's like swept under the rug. That in your Old Testament, you realize that there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies spoken about Jesus to come in the future that Jesus perfectly fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of years later, which is absolutely statistically impossible to do. But we don't talk about that enough in church. There's, some would say, three to four hundred at least, it depends on how strict you are with the prophecies, of prophecies in the Old Testament talking about the Messiah to come that Jesus perfectly fulfilled. That's why I love the Bible, because if you understand and study the Bible, the Bible is a beautiful book, and it all fits together perfectly. It's just going to take some study to get it. It's going to take some work to understand it. It's going to take some understanding to really get a hold of what it's saying, but once you get it, it comes to life, and it's divine, and it's powerful, and you understand the significance of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that were written way before Jesus was born. Like 700 years. Like Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, or 1,000 years before Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled those perfectly. Some of those are impossible to do. 
You know, it's one thing if the Bible was written all at the same time, you could write it in. But these books are historically written hundreds and hundreds of years apart, yet Jesus fulfilled them perfectly. And even he fulfilled stuff that he had no power over, like where he was born, like where he grew up, like how he died, like where he was buried. He had no even power and authority over that. It was a divine thing that it was perfectly fulfilled. And we don't give enough credit to the divinity of the Bible and that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. We see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament is the promise and the New Testament is the fulfillment. And it's, I encourage you to go home and, and do your study and your research. But if you look this up, you can find all these references in, in your Bible, the, the references of Jesus' promise in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New in the Old Testament was God's will concealed, but the New Testament is God's will revealed. In the Old Testament, God was concealed. They didn't know fully who God was and what he was like. They knew a little bit about God, but in the Old Testament, God was concealed. But in the New Testament, God is revealed in all his fullness in the person of Jesus. Now there's no guessing on who God is. There's no guessing on what God is like. There's no, no guessing on who God is because we see that in the person of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God in the flesh. If you've seen me, how I live is how God lives. How I love is how God loves. How I forgive is how God forgives. I am the full and final revelation of who God is, Jesus. See, that's why it's so important that you don't just read your Old Testament. It's important to read the Old Testament, but only in light of the New Testament. Because if you just read the Old Testament, it's like looking at something that there's, it's kind of cloudy and foggy and you can't fully see it. But in the New Testament, God is fully revealed on who he is in the person of Jesus. I want to read you a verse here. Let's turn to Hebrews 1 in verse 1 in the Passion Translation. You guys getting something today? I love this. It says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. That's what I was just saying. For, for hundreds and hundreds of years, God has spoke through his prophets. But notice this. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us living in these Last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of Son. The appointed heir of everything. For through Him, God created the uh, panorama of all things and all time. The Son, talking about Jesus, is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by its mighty power of his spoken word. And he accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. So what does this say in Hebrews, this verse? That God spoke all throughout human history by his prophets. But notice they were just giving us a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Just a little fragment here. Just a little part of God here. But now we don't have to get fragments. We have the whole picture. We don't have to get bits and pieces of who God is. We have the full image now. We can see clearly now. It's not blurry anymore. It's not concealed anymore. We can see God clearly, and we see him through his son, Jesus. He's the exact image and expression of God. He is God in the flesh. I'm just thankful I live in that time of day. The Old Testament people wished they lived in 2021. Because they didn't get to fully see what we see. 
They didn't get to experience what we experience. But for whatever reason, God has graced us and put us in this time that we get to see the full image of who he is. No guessing anymore. We can see God in all his fullness. So, back to the prophecy. So there's, there's no possible way for one person to fulfill all these prophecies. So there was a professor, uh, Professor Peter Stoner, back in the 1950s. He was a professor of mathematics and astronomy. He decided to figure out how possible it was to even fulfill one of these prophecies But he went all the way up to 365. So how could you even, one person, fulfill 365 prophecies that were spoken hundreds of years ahead of time? Well, he never got to 365 because the numbers started getting way too big. You can't even comprehend numbers when they start getting that big. You can't even write it on that whole entire wall when they start getting that big. But he said, just for one person to fulfill eight now, there's, there's over 300 of these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. He got all the way to 365. For one person just to fulfill eight of those prophecies, it's one out of one and 17 zeros behind it. Chance. Just to fulfill eight of those prophecies. He got to 16, and the number started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I didn't write that down because I would not have enough paper to write it. He got all the way to 48, and once he started getting to those type of numbers, he said it is impossible for you to even fathom or understand these numbers because they're beyond the universe. But yet Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies perfectly And like I said, he he was studying 365 of these prophecies. He said this about Jesus fulfilling these prophecies because it's a divine thing. It's not a human thing. Any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proven, perhaps more absolutely certain than any other fact in the world. So the prophecies of Jesus reveal his divinity. No other person could fulfill those prophecies unless they were divine. Okay, two people agreed with that. Next thing I want to share with you is experience. We don't base what we believe on experience, but also we can't deny experience. And one of the biggest Reasons that I believe that Jesus is God is life's changed. Life's changed. There has been more people fed this morning by people in the name of Jesus than any other reason. There's been more people clothed in the name of Jesus than any other reason. There's been more people healed today physically in their body under the name of Jesus than any other reason. There's been more people delivered from addiction and bondage and seeing their life completely transformed under the name of Jesus than any other person or any other thing. Lives change should matter. Now, we don't base what we believe just on experience, but experience still does matter, and you can't deny the results. You can't deny the fruit. Jesus has been changing lives for thousands and thousands of years. He's been changing societies and people and politicians and countries. And everything we know today, even in the Western world, is based off of him and his book. And we can't deny the experience of life's change. So how do I know he's God? Because of the lives I've seen change. That there's no other logical reason why they should change. There's no other logical reason how this could have happened. There's no logical reason how this person could go to the doctor and they had something one day and it disappeared the next day. 
There's no logical reason that somebody has tried every kind of rehab you could go to and someone prayed in the name of Jesus and they were immediately delivered. They didn't have withdrawal symptoms and they walked free the rest of their life. Life change matters. You don't base what you believe off of it alone, but it still does matter. The experience that people have had for the last several thousand years under the name of Jesus and through the power of Jesus matters. At this point, billions and billions of people have been changed by the power of Jesus. If he's just a thought or an idea, there would be no life change. The experience matters. But we also need to understand that Jesus was not only God, he was a man. Jesus was a man. You need to know that today, that Jesus was God, but he was a man. The Bible says that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was one person, two natures, fully God, fully man. But it says he put away his divine privileges as God to walk as a man. Now, why did God have to become man? Well, you want the short version on why he had to become a man. Because you need to know this in light of redemption. There was a man who got us into this mess named Adam. And because of Adam, all have sinned. So it had to be a man to get us out of this mess, Jesus. And because of his righteousness, we are all saved through him. But God could not redeem man as God. God had to become a man to redeem man. But he had to be a perfect man. He had to be a spotless man. He had to be a sinless man to pay for the sins of the entire world. And that's who Jesus is. But Jesus is a man today. And he's fully God. He's fully man. Jesus was a man like us, the Bible says. He walked like us. And he talked like us. He wasn't walking around glowing all the time. He looked like a man. He didn't just show up as a 30-year-old man. He was born a baby in a manger as a man. He grew up as a man. He went through puberty for you. That does not get enough credit. The cross, puberty, let's give him more credit on puberty here. Jesus had zits for you. Jesus had braces for you. Jesus' voice changed and he got made fun of by his friends for you. Talk about that shame. We don't talk about that enough. Jesus was a real man. Jesus went through those changes like we do. Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. He had a job as a carpenter. He went to parties. He loved his family. He loved his friends. He was happy. He told jokes. Jesus is God, but Jesus is a man. Let's just think even, just so you guys know, you need to understand even how Jesus looks. I don't know exactly how he looks. I do know he doesn't look like most pictures of him. You guys know that, right? He's not a blonde-haired, skinny hippie with pale skin. No, he's not. And by the way, I don't want to serve a blonde-haired, skinny hippie anyways. I don't want to serve a God that I can beat up. Do you? I don't want to serve a God I'm buying kale from at Rainbow Blossom. I want to serve a God who's a real man. Not some weak, lip-wristed, pale, blonde-haired hippie. And that's what he's portrayed as, but he's not at all. 
if you understand what Jesus would look like in the context of the time and day Jesus lived, he was a Jewish man who lived in Israel in the Middle East. So his skin tone was not pale and white. His skin tone was probably olive colored. He probably had a good tan all year long. Didn't even have to go to a tanning bed. He had olive skin tone. He probably had black hair and a black beard and brown eyes. And really, in that day, men didn't really have long hair a lot of times. The women did. So he probably didn't have even long hair. (laughs) I don't know. But in that time, in that day, a lot of the men had shorter hair and the women had longer hair. And he was a carpenter. How many hippies you see building houses? None. Why? Because they can't even lift up a tool or a piece of wood. Jesus had some muscles. Jesus was a man's man. Jesus was a strong man. He was a carpenter for his whole entire adult life. So we need to get our picture of Jesus right. Yes, he is God, but he was a real man who really looked a certain way and he had a certain beard and he was a carpenter and he lived a human life as a man. He did that for us. He did that to relate to us, to understand us, to sympathize with us with what we go through. And he had to become a man to redeem us. He had to become one of us to save all of us. It's important to note that. Let's read a verse here in John 1, in verse 1, talking about Jesus. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Let's keep going. I think verse 10 is next. John 1, 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him, now that's us today, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn. Notice this, not with physical birth resulting from a human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human. That's what Jesus did. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. So it says that God, the word, became flesh. He became a human to live among us to serve us, to understand us, and to save us. You realize a lot of the depictions of Jesus are wrong, not just because of him being a blonde-haired hippie on most pictures, who could barely even lift a sheep. Like, how are you even carrying that sheep? That wasn't Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. But you always see as well Jesus' face in these pictures, he's always so serious. Every movie about Jesus, he's always so serious. He almost looks sad most of the time. But Jesus was the complete opposite of that. If you, if you even understand your New Testament in the Gospels, I, I just encourage you to look this up sometime and study this out. Even the teachings in the parables of Jesus, there's jokes in it. But since you don't live in that time frame, you don't understand it. If you knew some of the sayings that Jesus drops in some of these parables, he's actually cracking a joke to make fun of somebody there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to try to get them about what they thought that God was like. 
And so he's cracking jokes all the time, and we're reading the Bible, serious, 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 serious. He was always just serious. Yeah, he had times and, and seasons he was serious, but he was fun. He was happy. He was joy in all of its fullness. I'll tell you just a couple reasons why I know that exactly. Sinners liked him and kids liked him. Drop the mic. That's all I need to say. How do I know that? That means he wasn't religious. He wasn't legalistic. He wasn't too churchy. He, he, he wasn't too serious and down and like, no, I got the, the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm going to the cross. Get away from me, little kid. No, the Bible says that Jesus was loved by children. That children came after him. That children loved him. That, that he would say, bring the children unto me, and, and he would bless them. And sinners kept inviting him to their parties. He was joy in all its fullness. People wanted to hang out with him. Now, why am I saying that? Because you need to understand who the real Jesus is and who he isn't. He is God, but he is a man. It's important to note today. He is a man. We're wrapping up here, but I want to say a few more things. Did you guys get anything this morning? Let's turn back over to Matthew 16, and we're going to close with this. And I'm going to pray for some people in a moment today. Matthew 16. Notice Jesus saying here, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Let's stop right here. So. As we close this message, I just want to say a few more things. Now, talking today about who do you say he is and who is the real Jesus, and yes, he is God, and yes, he is a man. There's uh, something that C.S. Lewis said about Jesus, which our society today even could agree with, is you have to put Jesus in these different categories. There's three of them. Based off of who Jesus was and his teachings, whatever you think about him, he can either be one of these three things. A liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. That's not politically correct to say that, so nobody wants to say that. Because this is what society says. Even people that don't think he's God, which a lot of people don't. Oh, he was a great man, charitable man. He told you to give to the poor. His teachings about love, we love that. But he's not God. He's just a good person. He's just a good teacher. No, by, by all the teachings of Jesus, he, he wasn't just a good teacher because he said way more than those things. Those are the newsworthy things that people would just repeat. No, he said way more than that. By the things that Jesus said, either he was a liar So, Jesus was smart enough to con people by, by his teachings, and he got a following, and he was a cult leader, pretty much, and he lied about everything. He really was not the Son of God, and we're still a part of that big lie 2,000 years later. That's one category. He was a liar by his teaching. Or he was a lunatic. He was out of his mind. He was like a crazy person that, that we've seen before that walks down the street saying that they're God and they just need some medication. Either Jesus in, is in that category. He completely had lost his mind and people were dumb enough to follow him and he was a lunatic. Or the last one, Jesus is Lord. And what he said was true. And what he did was real. And he really is God. And he really is a man. And he really is Lord. 
but you have to choose. You can't just say, well, I just think that Jesus was a good person. No, that's not up to you to decide that. No, sorry, that's not an option. It's either you believe he was a bold-faced liar, he was a lunatic, he was a crazy person, or he was Lord. There's no such option as good teacher, good person, just another prophet of God. Based off what he said. But we have to make that decision. And that's the most important decision that you will ever make in this life. Is who he is. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Who do you say he is? But I want to take a step further. And you need to understand this. You can read all the books on Christian apologetics. Hundreds of them. There's hundreds of books on why the Bible is true. Great books. There's hundreds of books on the existence of God. Written by brilliant thinkers and writers. There's hundreds of books written about the divinity of Jesus. And that Jesus is God. By by people that have way more education than all of us in here. And they can take you down every reason, logical reason, why this is true and why this is right. They can take you down every historical fact why this makes sense and this makes sense. But you could read all those books, and if God does not reveal himself to you, you won't ever really believe. I'm not against all those things. But I'm just saying, it's ultimately a heart issue, not a head issue. I believe you can read those books because they're important, especially when you're talking to a secular world and a secular society that's educated. They need to know some of those things. But at the end of the day, unless God reveals himself to you, you will never fully believe. Because you don't believe God with your head. You believe God with your heart. The Old Testament says the fool says in their heart there is no God. It's a heart issue ultimately. And notice what it says here in Matthew 16 and verse 17. Matthew 16 and verse 17. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Notice the next part. And you did not learn this from any human being. So if you're going to believe, he's going to have to reveal himself to you. No matter how many books you read, no matter how many professors you listen to, no matter how many podcasts and sermons your pastor tries to preach to you and to preach you into belief, unless he reveals himself to you, you will never fully believe. You will believe in your head, but you will never believe in your heart. And I believe you should be educated in your head and you should believe in your head, but it has to get to your heart. It changes in your heart. It's revealed to you in your heart. Jesus makes you alive in your heart, not your head. So yes, get educated. Yes, listen to people who know what they're talking about of the existence of God and apologetics and all these thinkers and writers. Great. But it's got to be your heart. And unless he reveals himself, you will never believe. But if... I'm about to preach. He reveals himself to you. You can never deny it. You can be talked out of your head, but you can't be talked out of what's revealed to you. You could talk to me all day. I know he's real because he's in my heart. (laughs) You could debate me all day. Too late. I already met him. Too late. I already know him. Too late. He's already in my heart. So you could try to argue all day in my head, but once he's revealed himself to you, you cannot deny this. And that's what the scripture says. Who do you say I am? And when he said, you are Jesus, the son of God, he said, hold on, Peter. 
You didn't get that from an apologetics book. You didn't get that from the professor. You didn't get that from a pastor. You didn't get that from a theology book. You got that from God himself. Because God revealed that to you. No man has taught you this. And God revealed himself to you in the person of Jesus. So I got two things to say as we leave. And then I'm going to pray for some people this morning because I feel led to. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, ask him to reveal himself to you. Because unless he does it, it won't stick. Unless God reveals himself to you, it won't last. It's got to be a heart change, not a head change. And secondly, for a lot of you in here who are already believers, which most of you are, I pray that you would ask Jesus to give you a fresh revelation of who he is to you. Like the Bible says, return to your first love. Return to your first passion towards him. Return to that first heartfelt, sincere relationship you had when you first got saved. And all you knew was Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all you knew. And I know a lot of us are more in the latter than the first, but God can still reveal himself afresh and anew to you on who he is. And he is Jesus. He is God. And he wants to do that. And I believe in as a church, as we get into this series about the real Jesus, he's going to reawaken that love, that passion, that heart for the real Jesus that you had when you first got saved. You're going to turn back to your first love and realize who he really is. Did you guys get something today? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.